Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. Our guest on the show today is the radio voice for the Winnipeg Jets. Paul Edmonds is an avid angler and hunter when he can get away from the broadcast booth. For the last eight years, he has covered everything Jets-related, including the NHL draft. Paul has been in the broadcast business full-time for 30 years. For 19 of those, he was the voice of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. During the years, he has won numerous awards, including Baseball Digest's Broadcaster of the Year. In 2019, he was inducted into the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame. Paul, welcome to the Complete Angler Podcast. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you taking a little time out to, to be with us today. Don, my pleasure. When you asked, it was, sure, I'll make time for this. So let's go. I'm kind of excited about this. Get to talk about fishing here in, in late stages of December. Uh, late stage of December. We'll also talk a little bit about all the different uh, jobs you've had in the industry, broadcasting industry. Including uh, when I first met you, it, I was down at uh, Lake Dave and Baker. Saskatchewan Landing doing a uh, bunch of seminars for the for the parks people there and I got a media request from this young reporter from Swift Current and it was you yeah yeah wow so cool so we we loaded up the boat the one evening and we headed down kind of down away from the from the landing launched a, a ways away and we had we had a fun time that evening didn't we Paul we did. You put me on. Uh, well, there's a number of things that I, I recollect on that. And I think maybe I, I should probably tell your listeners about sort of how that came about. I mean, I've always enjoyed fishing and that was handed down from my dad. Right. I remember, you know, growing up on Lake Winnipeg out at the Balsam Bay side. And we had this little 12 foot rooftop tub with a 1957 seven and a half Evan Rude that didn't have reverse. I mean, <laughs> that's how I learned how to fish. And then of course I got the job in Swift Current and then I'm an adult and I just loved sort of exploring that end of the country, Southwest Saskatchewan. So I knew that there was a big sort of walleye lake there. And, you know, at that time, Don, and this isn't the mutual admiration society, but at that time you were like one of the only guys in Western Canada that had a TV show that was, that was popular. I mean, there was the fishing Canada guys that were in Eastern Canada and they had a show that was on Saturdays, but like yours, yours was a little bit more regional. Yours was something that was a little bit more tangible. I could relate to it. And I think a lot of people could say that as well. And you, you know, you had bill dance down South and Roland Martin, but sometimes when they're fishing for big bass, it doesn't relate to what we're doing up here. So your show was unique. And, and so I heard Don Lamont was coming to town and I'm like, wow, I can maybe do some stories on this. This is kind of a big deal. So we did. And you invited me to come fishing with you and, we went out in your Lund boat and had the tiller on it. And it was a great adventure. And that was the first time that I learned to bottom bounce. And that's what we did. And you put me on a nice walleye. We got it to the boat and we lost it because we had left the net at the shore. <laughs> oh, I you, know you know what? The Paul, I could still see that walleye to this day. <laughs> the experience was, was terrific. I mean, just to see how you did things because your level at that time was so far advanced to what I was doing or I ever thought that I could get to in fishing. 
and you know you were in the industry and it was great because it wasn't necessarily something that i wanted to do was to be a professional angler but i wanted to increase my level of of education when it came to you know selective harvest and fishing techniques and and tools and just ideas of how to maybe go and search lakes and what to look for now the technology is just boomed since then and we're talking in 1991, 92, that was, I think, in around the time when you and I first met. So that is a memory that is etched in, in my brain forever, or that experience with you. And then ever since then, we've just kind of fostered this relationship that, you know, is an email here or a sighting there or wherever I run into you, we always say hi. So, you know, once again, thanks very much for taking a very young guy that was a reporter that was excited about fishing back then. Still to this day, I am even more so because I've handed that tradition kind of down to my kids as well and i got a young guy that's 13 years old that uh, i wouldn't have a problem taking somebody to say if you can drive your boat he'll show you the winnipeg river because he knows where he's going and he knows what he's doing so you know all of that comes back to the generosity that you showed a long time ago well, i appreciate that paul now from swift current you've had a long and winding road my friend how many years in the industry now well, I think full time since, you know, 1991 in Swift Current. And then, you know, I spent 20 years in professional baseball after those three years in Swift. And then through that uh, kind of going back and forth, there was a number of years in the Western Hockey League and the MJHL and the American Hockey League. And now the last uh, eight plus have been full time in the National Hockey League. So, you know, we're coming up uh, over 30, I think. From that standpoint, I, I never knew that it would be this long. Um, I don't know that I would I would put the adjective to describe it as illustrious and lucrative, <laughs> but uh, it has been uh, rewarding. It has been unique and it's been a challenge and it has never been dull. That's for sure. So, yeah, it's been a good career, but um, I still have a few more years to go, I hope. And uh, then we'll be able to maybe fish a little bit more. And uh, I do enjoy kind of hunting as well and snowmobiling and quadding and things like that. So uh, hopefully there's a little bit more time in good time for all of those things as well. But yeah, it's been a it's been a good career. I can't complain at all, Don. Well, I want to go back and share a story with you when I first uh, actually started in the broadcast industry in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. PA was always kind of one of like Swift Current it was one of those places where you learned the ropes. So I did both television and radio, but I couldn't, uh, I applied for the sports job there, but uh, that was a, uh, that was a tough position to get. So they asked me if I'd consider be becoming part of the news department because of my writing ability. I had written for the free press and the sports department. So I said, sure, I'll go, I'll do that. And um, anyway, so I, I worked there for two years and that's where I actually fell in love with fishing and and hunting and i had some good friends there that i played basketball with that uh, showed me the ropes and then i also made a very good friends with a guy that you might know that became a very famous hockey broadcaster as well roger millions that's where he got his yes. start exactly the same time as i did so it, it was um it was you know that's one of the reasons uh paul that i have followed your career because uh I always always enjoyed seeing you and always see, and then Roger on the on the broadcast from from Alberta and uh, it, it was so nice to see you guys become so successful. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Roger is from Winnipeg or Morden or somewhere in southern Manitoba. He's in from south, uh, southwest Manitoba. Yeah. Uh, oil country. It wasn't Verdon, but it was a small little community right by Verdon. And his 
his parents okay. actually were got lucky because they had oil on their land. And um, so anyway, Roger was um, able to go and pursue a broadcast career and he did very well for himself. Mm -hmm. I remember meeting Roger and this is kind of, this was late eighties. I was doing the public address at the U of M doing basketball, Bison women's and men's basketball and volleyball public address. That's really when my career first started. I think, you know, when you think about this, I think I got paid 15 bucks a game. <laughs> <laughs> so you were there for like five hours a night and you got 30 bucks. But Roger was working for CKCK radio in Regina at that time. Right. And he was coming in because I believe the, either the men's team or the women's team with the Regina Cougars had a really good team and they were worth following. So they sent Roger and that's the first time I met him. He was down at courtside and he was doing live reports. He wasn't doing play by play, but he was doing live reports for CKCK radio back in Regina. And that's the first time I met him. And then we've brushed paths over the course of a number of years in the national hockey league. He's out of broadcasting. Now I believe he got into politics, but I haven't talked to Roger for a couple of years. Yeah. He, he has retired from broadcasting. And uh, going back to those days of the U of M, I remember with Joe Pascucci doing the game of the week on CKND. And I think I got $100 a hundred dollars a game, Paul. So that was big money. Anyway, <laughs> a little bit more than me. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the, a uh, little bit about the present. Now you've been the voice of the Jets for the last eight years, uh, radio, and you're, you're going to be traveling with a team, uh, hopefully here going to the U.S. shortly. How has, uh, how has this past year, two years, COVID related, what are the challenges been like for you and for all the hockey players? Well, I think number one, and I'm into this now, I didn't have to do it as much last year, but the testing, you test every single day to make sure that you are not positive for COVID or any of the variants. So even on days over Christmas where we had the break from practice or games, you were still going to a testing site and having to test in the mornings. I think the one thing that you have to keep in mind is an open mind and you have to be able to be, um, you know, flexible for what the schedule is going to be. There's nothing that's ever going to be hard and fast when it comes to COVID schedules mean really nothing because they could change within 24 hours or less. And we saw that recently with the world junior championship. I mean, um, they were going to go in the morning and then in the afternoon and then in the afternoon they made a decision and the whole tournament was done. So that just gives you a bit of a microcosm about how fluid, how rapid things can change, how volatile it really is in the sports industry right now, especially in the national hockey league. So it has been a challenge. It has been difficult at times to, I think, understand where you're going, what might be the, the future of broadcasting. I know that last year, one of the biggest conundrums that we had was broadcasting off a television screen, off a monitor to do live games on the road. We did not travel last year. And the even the year before when we were um, in, the, um, in the qualifier round or the Jets were in the qualifier round against Calgary, we were doing it off a monitor as well. So last year, fortunately, we got to go into the building, which was empty to do the games at home, which was, you know, difficult in and of itself because all the noise that was created in the building was synthetic. I mean, it was all, mm -hmm. you know, can noise and there was nobody in the building and that was tough and there was no atmosphere really. But the other challenge was to be able to call the game with some cadence to it off a monitor on the road. 
and you were stuck in this basement of of the building for CJOB downstairs at at uh, 201 Portage Avenue. And, you know, they tried to do their best. I, I mean, I applaud everybody that's that's technically had a hand in all of this to try to make it better. And one of the things that I think's come out of it is the fact that there was a lot of people that said to me, boy, I didn't even know that you weren't traveling. So if I didn't know, I wouldn't know, which was great. The only thing is that now maybe somebody, Don, higher up realizes they don't have to send you on the road because you do <laughs> such a great job and they want to save money. But there's been an endless amount of challenges to be a little bit more succinct in answering your question. But the one thing is that you just have to keep in mind that it's changing at a quick rate for everybody. So if you can just be open-minded to being flexible to those changes, that's the one thing that I would recommend for everybody in our industry, that it's not ever going to be the same. No day is the same. You just hope at some point that we get through this and that you get back to some stability when it comes to the way they play the games, being allowed to have fans in the building. And, and then certainly when the schedule says that you're going to be in Vegas on this day, you're going to be in Vegas or Calgary or wherever on this day. And it doesn't change unless there's a blizzard. Well, before we get back to fishing, I, I know there is actually a few of the jets that uh, like to fish. I know Connor Hellebuck, uh, saw him out the outdoor show two years ago before the COVID thing was going hard and heavy. And he was actually looking at a, at a snow bear. So I know that he, uh, he likes to fish, but I don't think there was anybody that was keener than uh, our uh, Dustin Bufflin, was there? No, um, you know, Connor Hellebuck, Kyle Connor, there's a, there's a good handful of guys that really enjoy the outdoors and what Manitoba has to offer. And I think that to get to your question in a second or to the answer of your question, you know, that's one of the things that you keep hearing about 1.0 of the Winnipeg Jets is once guys got here and they realized the bounty of opportunities that you had on the outdoor side, they really enjoyed it. And I think we're seeing that again. It took a little while to grab some traction with the Jets 2.0, but the guys that are here long-term, the Hellebucks and the Connors, and there's some others really enjoy that kind of outdoor activity. So that's great because obviously they want to play here. If they want to play here, that makes it better for a whole team environment and maybe attracting other players at some point, whether it's through a trade or halfway through the year to get better, to maybe challenge for the Stanley cup, but Dustin Bufflin, you know, there's all kinds of stories about Dustin renting a cabin up in the inner lake and, and on uh, the Winnipeg beach area. So he would rent a cabin so he could just go there and stay and then ice fish. And he's, uh, he's been with Derek Longley and the helicopter guys. He's made friends with those guys as well and blasted all over the place. And he just loved being out there and anything that he could do, any spare moment that he had to be ice fishing or, or be in the outdoors here. He certainly, he certainly did it. I think when it comes to not playing anymore, does he, does he miss hockey? Sure. I'm sure he does the camaraderie, uh, but I think what he misses about Manitoba is the fact that he had all these outdoor activities going on with a, a great group and a large group of friends that he had uh, to conduct the activities and have a good time doing it. So Dustin's missed in a lot of ways on the ice for sure, uh, but on the ice as well. And that includes the big Lake of Lake Winnipeg. Yeah, we had a Hooked magazine, which I'm the editor of, as you know. Um, we did two uh, kid sports things with, with Dustin through um, the Mark uh, Shifley Golf Tournament when uh, that was being held. And I remember the last event at the Napa Golf Club, um, they were auctioning off a helicopter trip with Bufflin, yeah. uh, with Derek uh, Longley, uh, too. Um, 
Not not like Winnipeg, Dauphin Lake, believe it or not. We had oh, a bunch okay. of shacks out there ready to go for them. So they helicoptered, and we managed. Uh, we had two doctors from Portage bidding on it. Uh, the bid was $10,000, and the auctioneer said, uh, well, you, you both guys want the trip. How about you guys each pay $10,000 for the trip, and we'll raise $20,000 for Kidsport. They said yes. So um, it was great. They raised $20,000 for it. So Dustin's, uh, you know, he's got a special place in my heart because he's, um, I fished with him two days on the ice. He's a great guy, and uh, he's, he's a really a special human being. You know, the one thing I would say about that is it's kind of funny because I never had the opportunity to do anything outdoors with him, but I talked many, many times. You know, I remember we were at the pool, poolside one day in Tampa, and we were talking about fishing and we got into electronics and fish finders and things like that. So one thing about Dustin, as much as he excelled at the game of hockey and enjoyed playing the game and having fun, that's what didn't define him. If you could get him talking about anything else but hockey, particularly the outdoors and fishing, that's when he would open up and he would become way more loquacious. So just a little tip, if you ever run into Dustin, don't ask him about hockey, ask him about fishing or, <laughs> or maybe, uh, you know, bird hunting or something like that, because he would, he would much rather stand there and talk to you for 10 or 15 minutes about that than how he played on the blue line on the power play for the Winnipeg Jets for a number of years. But he was a tremendous guy and uh, he is certainly missed in Winnipeg with the Winnipeg Jets. Getting back to fishing um, on this podcast. Now, I know uh, you've managed to secure a, a, a place, I understand, on the Winnipeg River, Paul? Yeah, we uh, about five years ago, we got an opportunity to take over a seasonal uh, with Vance and Maureen Herekasi at Trailend Camp. And uh, of course, we jumped on the opportunity. We had been renting off them for a number of years before that and formulated a little bit of a relationship that's since got stronger. Uh, but Vance, so we got on the list and we waited and then Vance came to us and said, I've got an opportunity for you. And we absolutely jumped on it. So it's been great because from where we live in St. Andrews, it's about an hour and 10 drive door to door, um, you know, from that standpoint. So it's close. It's an easy drive. Um, my kids love it. Uh, my wife with her home-based business, uh, she kennels dogs. So sometimes she doesn't get the opportunity to get out as much as we do, uh, but we've really fallen in love with it. And it's been fun too, because not only is it the adventure of fishing out there for me, but the boating is tremendous. And then the ability to understand and navigate the river Don is what has really challenged me and been part of the adventure. Because if you don't know where you're going, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars for your boat prop and your skeg and maybe your whole bottom end, depending. Right. So that's kind of the challenge too, is to, to make sure that you understand where you're going and, and where the rocks are and, and the water levels, and it's certainly been low the last couple of years. That's why I'm really happy with uh, every day that it snows here to get the water levels back up to where we need to get them to. But, you know, the advent of the electronics and and just, uh, you know, the auto chart live and things like that have certainly helped be able to navigate. And I can get into Ontario now, which has been great. I've had a little bit of help from some friends that have showed you. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a great fishery. It's uh it's an outstanding fishery for, for multi-species. I mean, I like to fish for walleye, but in the fall, I mean, when you drop in a walleye spot, you might get a, you know, a 35 inch pike. You might get a 40 inch pike. You might get a 19 inch smallmouth bass. I mean, you could get a, you could get a, a big perch for that matter. And there's always the ability to get big walleye, but 
I've really enjoyed fishing out there full time for the last five years is what I would call our summer place. I don't know if you know that, but when I moved back from Prince Albert after two years at CKVI television and radio, I ended up uh, working a bit in, uh, for a radio station in Winnipeg. And then I decided that was enough. Um, I had fallen in love with fishing. So I, I applied for a job as a fishing guide and I ended up getting one at Eagle Nest Lodge. Sure. So three years there navigating that river. And for the first year, Paul, I didn't have any electronics. We had to learn it from Fred, the owner, kind of, you know, follow him up with the, yeah. with the, you know, the boat and trying to learn the river and the nuances, which is not easy because it's 27 miles. There's reefs everywhere, as you know. So one of the funniest stories, I guess it wasn't funny at the time for the guy that it happened to, it wasn't me, thank goodness. But the other guy that I worked with, Bill, he was the other guy and he, he did more of the, the transport, transporting the guests. Fred had this old, uh, tri-hull orange boat fiberglass boat and um going down back down river the guest uh, bill managed to put it right on top of one of the reefs there split the hull and thank goodness it was kind of dry locked so they didn't sink but but uh we had to go rescue him there and then i remember the other time with fred when um, same boat we're driving back with guests well it started on fire the inboard started on fire <laughs> so so we had to pull up to a dock and put that one out. So yeah, we had uh, we had lots of wild adventures. And then the one time I ended up putting my, I was draining the water out of my boat and that I guided out of because I had bought a nice alumarine and uh, I ran it right up on shore. So, so I had some adventures out there, but yeah, the Winnipeg River, I don't think people understand the beauty of it. It's all Canadian shield, it's yep. rugged country. It's virtually untouched. There's hardly any cabins out there. There's a couple of campgrounds and it is a gorgeous part of the world. It is. And the one thing that I always find interesting about it is, as you learn the river, if I can give anybody one tip, it's the river looks different going up and it looks different again, coming back. Oh yeah. So when you learn the river going up, you've got to also learn the river coming home. And just when you think that that would be the area that you need to go because it looks wide between those two islands, that's not the route that you need to take. Sometimes it's the skinniest little area between the two islands that might be the deepest. And I just, I, that's part of the challenge and the adventure for me is to making sure that you stay safe and, and that you're navigating it properly. But what a, what a bounty of, of resources that we have up there. And, you know, you can see moose and wolves and coyotes and deer. That's the first time, one of the first times I ever went up there, Don, and this probably would have been in around, you know, the mid eighties, maybe mid to late eighties, maybe sometime in around when you were guiding out there, I was out, rented a boat from Eagle's nest and, and kind of went down to the end by Nemus cut. We were fishing in there and there was a giant buck that was swimming like a deer buck was swimming through the river right by our boat. And we kind of just cruised up by it and just casually kept swimming, got up in an island and then just disappeared into the bush in the island. And I thought, wow, this is the place that I really want to explore more. And I've never looked back since. It's always been a place where even before we had a place, when I used to trailer my Lund, we would, that would be where I would go. It was two places, either to Winnipeg Beach to get on the big lake if you could and it wasn't too rough and fish there, or it was to go all the way. If it was a little bit more windy was going all the way to, to sawmill Bay and to launch for the Winnipeg river fishery. And uh, it's just been tremendous. And I've shown my kids all three of them, that river, and 
like I said, my young one has really taken to it as well. And he knows the river as, uh, as well as uh, I do at this point. Have you done any cliff diving yet? Uh, we have. Yeah, we have. Just outside <laughs> okay, good. Sawmill, yeah, just outside Sawmill Bay. There's one. It's got a rope ladder going up and yeah. it's pretty safe. It's, I think, probably around 26 feet deep. So uh, we've jumped off it. Um, it's been fun. I haven't get. I have not yet got mom to jump off of it though. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're well, Paul, we're almost out of time, but before, uh, before I let you go, um, given what's going on in the NHL, I just, I, I just want to maybe give me an idea what you think it's going to happen, how the Jets are going to finish off the year. Well, I think that I was a big fan of Paul Maurice. Uh, Paul and I developed a very good relationship. I admire the man as a, as a hockey mind, as a coach, as a communicator, and as a person. And he was very good to me when I started out. And Paul and I ended up formulating. There's another guy that likes to fish too, Don, by the oh, way. Wow, and he's got a lot out. of time on his hands now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, and he might be available for a podcast in the future as well. Oh, I like that. But, yeah. Um, but, you know, Paul understood in 26 years where he got this team to. And as he said on his last day, the Winnipeg Jets are in a better place now than when I got here. And I fully concur on that. But he also realized that he was at the end. He just couldn't get them in his terms. His analogy was he just couldn't get them to push the rock any further up the mountain. So he realized that it was time to walk away. And Dave Lowry is a guy that played almost 1,100 games in the National Hockey League. He understands the same and has the same ideology and philosophies as Paul, but he has a different voice and comes at it from a different perspective. And just from what I've watched over the course of the holidays in this break, the Winnipeg Jets haven't changed anything systematically, but there seems to be a bit of a renewed energy, or at least the audition continues because you're trying to impress some new eyes. I think the Winnipeg Jets will make the playoffs. And it will be up to them, as top administrators have said, that group in the room to determine how far they get. But I do believe the makings of a very good team and a team that can challenge for a couple of playoff series wins, maybe get to the Western Conference final again, as they did in 17-18, maybe get to the Stanley Cup final. I do believe that this is beyond a playoff bound team. I think it's more competitive than that. And I think the expectations are higher than just getting to the playoffs. So I think with a new voice, it's all up to the coaching staff, Dave Lowry, to instill what he wants and how he wants his team to play. But I do believe that there's been a renewed energy in the group. And I'm really looking forward to seeing when they get back onto the ice and presume the remainder of the 62-game schedule that's still left. Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show. All the best for 2022. Hopefully... Uh... Things return a bit more, more uh, normal coming up here in the next two or three months. And let's make sure we get out in a boat this summer on the Winnipeg River. Don, I look forward to it. Thanks a lot for inviting me. This has been a pleasure. Um, I really appreciate it. And it's good to connect with you again. And we will make sure that we'll endeavor to get together on the Winnipeg River coming up. Let's go in August because that's when the bugs die down and that's when the walleyes start to really hit. I'm in. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.